Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. Uh, we are excited about today. Uh, we have a special guest on, a good friend of mine, someone I consider a mentor, uh, Jared Hyatt. We've actually had him on before, uh, talking about why he was a Christian. And mm-hmm. uh, today we get to talk about really his job which yeah. is ministry, and more specifically, campus ministry. So It was a really good conversation last time. Um, yeah. and really enjoyed talking about why you're a Christian. I really liked that series, so if you're listening now, go back and check out that Why Am I Christian series. We yeah. talked with a lot of guys, but uh, excited to have Jared on. Yeah, and we're actually really blessed to have him in person this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last time we had him over Zoom, and, and now we get to see him face-to-face. And uh, So anyway, Jared, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself for those who uh, may not have heard the first one. Well, it's good to be here with you guys, too, and I'm glad to be here in person as well. I think it'll make the conversation even better. Um, my name is Jared Hyatt, and I'm a campus minister at Southeastern Oklahoma State University. I've been there for, uh, I guess this is going into my ninth year uh, since 2012, and Chris was a student at Southeastern Oklahoma State University, you know, an All-American tennis player there. Maybe not All-American, but he was on the tennis team. and I, I was one of the only Americans on the tennis team. <laughs> he so was, in that sense. Yes, he was all of the Americans <laughs> on our tennis team. The rest were other countries, so I think that counts. Uh, but, yeah, it's campus ministry is something that I love. I'm sure we'll get into the reasons why in just a second, but um, excited to be here and talk about that. Yeah. All right, well, um, I guess really the, the bottom line that we kind of want to discuss is how campus ministry uh, has impacted your life, how it has impacted others, and then what are some practical takeaways that people who are listening can take from, you know, obviously there's not a whole lot of campus ministers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some practical takeaways from uh, everyday Christians that they can go out and do something with, with some of the, the knowledge that you have and the things that you do? Perfect. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, how campus ministry you, you mentioned how it's impacted my life at first, and I think your story is probably pretty similar to this too, but mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't a Christian when I went to college. Um, for myself, I grew up in, in Church of Christ uh, in Atoka, Atoka, Oklahoma, and, but, but it, it just wasn't anything real to me, you know. We went, to, we went to Sunday school every Sunday. You know, we were people who went to every time the door was open, but I never became a Christian. It, it just never was anything real. And so when I got to college, you know, you get that bit of freedom, first taste of freedom. And I had always grown up as a, you know, what people would say was a good kid, I guess. Didn't really get into a lot of trouble. And I remember freshman year of college, I was on the basketball team, uh, redshirting on the basketball team, not any good or anything but uh anyway being around some of those guys and then some of my other friends I just felt myself starting to drift from being that good kid and thankfully before I went too far down that road um a good friend of mine invited me to the campus ministry there at Southeastern uh, which I'm director of now at the time it was a guy named Lane Heights but uh, Waddell Hearn, you know Waddell, Chris, mm-hmm. he yep. had invited me and invited me and invited me, and I always turned him down, didn't <laughs> want to go, was afraid of meeting new people, all of the reasons you don't do things like that. And finally, um, it was at the end of basketball season, and I knew I wasn't going to go back because <laughs> <laughs> I had found out that I wasn't as good as the rest of the guys. <laughs> so I finally uh, kind of had this empty spot in my life, and I thought, you know, 
let's let's give it a try. And I went and really it was the first time I had seen people my age that truly cared about God. And it, I had only seen older Christians up to that point. The church I grew up in, everybody was really old. And so mm-hmm. to me, it kind of seemed like being a Christian was somewhere way far off. Yeah. But when I saw people my age that actually lived it out and were devoted to Christ, it, it completely changed my perspective of like what being a Christian is, I guess. It's not just something that you do when you're don't have anything else to do. I thought it was more of a retirement thing. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, when I saw from these people that not only were they Christians, but it meant everything to them. And they were actually happy and having fun and, and, and supporting each other. Yeah. It was something that was very attractive for me. And so anyway, uh, campus ministry is, is how I came to Christ. And I know it, it's the same for you as well. Yeah. I think it's really cool that you mentioned that, you know, your perception of church has been just, oh, it's something that you do in retirement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of older folks that go there. And, and I think that's a perception that is really hard to shake for the church. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate campus ministers and youth and family ministers, the showing people that you are supposed to be a lifelong Christian. Uh, you need God now just as mm-hmm. much as you need him when you're 60, 70, 80. I think the, the at least what came to my mind, just kind of a, a comical thing at least, is the, <laughs> the idea that it is retirement age. <laughs> And if that's the case, then Florida should be full of Christians. <laughs> you would think, uh, yeah. You would think Florida would be just jam-packed because that's where everybody goes for retirement. But, um, you know, as, as you talk about campus ministry, uh, I'm actually reminded, I think you were the one that initially brought this up to me, Acts 19, mm-hmm. uh, in verse, uh, verse 9, uh, so he, verse 8, right, he's, he's in the synagogue and he's there for months, uh, he's speaking boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God uh, in, in Ephesus is where they're at. Uh, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Uh, and, and that is, in essence, it was a college. Yeah, hall there, the Greek is skole, and mm-hmm. you can see the similarity between school. our word school and skole. Mm-hmm. And so this was a school. This, this was some sort of school for young people. Yeah. And I just think that's, I, I say young people, it was some sort of school. Um, but I think that's interesting because he's preached and he's preached and he's preached to these um, Jews and they're just stubborn and they're not going to change their ways. Yeah. And I think he gets tired of casting pearls before swine and <laughs> saying, you know, well, I'll go to somebody who will listen. Yeah. And he ends up at a school, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm assuming, with younger folks. But I think that's kind of a, why campus ministry is such a fertile ground yeah. for, for the gospel because people like – myself are at an age uh, at the time I was in college before I was a Christian um, people like myself at that time you're at a spot where you're trying to figure out who you're going to be and what your life's going to be and you know when I first went to college I'm going to be an athlete I'm going to be and then you know not only was I not athletic enough to be that (laughs) but I also didn't like the direction it was taking my life I felt empty with those people and then my other friends who you know wanted to party and and do stuff like that that felt empty. But I got to that group of young people who seemed to have a true purpose and seemed to have a true joy that nothing else in this life that I had found gave. You know, that was attractive to me. So I think that's why uh, colleges are such a fertile ground is you have an opportunity to get people before they become stubborn, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they're still 
they're still willing to be molded and learn the truth, I guess. I think that's a really good point as well. Um, part of the reason that it's, it's not just young people in general, it's folks who are looking to learn. That's right. um, obviously, you know, they're going there, studying their different majors, learning mm. all kinds of different things, but still at the core, at the base of it, it's learning. Yeah. Um, and so when you can capitalize on that with college ministry and say, well, do you also want to learn about Jesus? Right. <laughs> and uh, um, it, it's this whole atmosphere that people want to learn mm-hmm. and uh, colleges are, are the, the fertile soil that You know, and something have. you said there, um, being willing to learn, I think that's important for ourselves as well. I know this oh, yeah. may be taking us off topic of campus ministry for just a second, <laughs> but one thing I've found when I'm studying with folks is if I'm always like, well, you're wrong and <laughs> let me cut you off before you tell me what you're saying. And, you know, let me just tell you all the reasons that I'm right and mm-hmm. point you to this scripture. I try to be real open with folks with from different beliefs to let them, you know, okay, finish all of what you were going to say. Tell, tell me why you believe this. Is there scriptures that back that up? Because if I'm going to want them to be interested in what, you know, I'm trying to show them, I think we've got to do that as mm-hmm. well. But you just saying uh, people who are willing to learn made me think, you know, we, we don't ever need to lose that because I, I can guarantee yeah, you I'm, I don't have it all figured out yet. Well, and that just reminds me. So I, I knew there was a verse. I actually had to look it up on my phone. But I knew there was a verse about being molded because mm-hmm. right? we're talking about being willing to be molded in Isaiah uh, 64 8 but now O lord you are our father we are the clay and you are our potter we're all the work of your hand i think when we allow ourselves to be molded by god our life becomes meaningful right yeah. it becomes purposeful in the same way that you were when i got into college i you know, i'm gonna be an athlete right and i i was an athlete in college and i played for four and a half years and uh it was it was exciting but that last semester of my senior year when I should have been at the peak right when I should have been doing the best that I was I was injured and hurt and I wasn't able to play and I'm sure you remember this I um I ended up raising funds to go to Nicaragua on my Mm. first mission trip and it cost an arm and a leg (laughs) um, because I got my tickets I think like a month out and if you get them a month out you're paying a lot of money yeah probably Uh, double what everybody else paid I think it ended up being about triple it was it was a lot uh, I had help from other people, which was amazing. But um, but I remember being there my senior year and just being happy. Mm. You know, when everything seemingly in the world is going wrong, right? I, I am not on the team, really. Like, I'm on the team, but I'm not playing, right? I'm, it's my senior year. I'm not very active with the team. I'm practicing, but I'm not traveling. Uh, and I remember telling the coach, I said, hey, I, I've had a good run. Like, let, let one of the younger guys just travel. <laughs> like, it's okay. And, uh, and then I, you know, getting on a plane and flying to a country that I probably hadn't even heard the name of, mm-hmm. you know, a year before. And uh, it, I mean, the idea of just being fulfilled through Christianity yeah. uh, is, is awesome. And Which uh, I think that's what we talked about last time I was here as well, yeah. is that, you know, we talked about reasons you wanted to be a Christian. And one of the main things that I talked about was it, it is, it is fulfilling. It is, yeah. when I do what God wants for me to do, my life just turns out better. Even even if things in this life don't go great, yeah. I have a hope beyond this life, and that is fulfilling, and that brings you joy. And, and that joy that you talk about, it's <clears throat> it's different than happiness, because when right. we say, you know, things work out better in this life when mm-hmm. you're on God's side, people are like, well, I'm not happy. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I don't have things that make me happy, but mm-hmm. that's the key, is we're not talking about things. 
we're talking about actual joy, which, you know, that is Jesus, others, yourself. And when you're in Christ, when you're relying solely on God, have Jesus first, others, and then yourself, that's when you have that, that fulfilling feeling of, I can, I can conquer everything because Christ is on my side. And let me say something here, and I think it'll kind of take us back to canvas ministry as well. But part of that, what brings you joy where you're saying, well, you said some people be like, well, I'm not happy because I don't have this, this, and this. Part of what being a Christian is, I think, is being transformed to become more like God. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we think Christianity is, well, I've just got to keep myself from doing these bad things. Yeah. I think the goal is to be so transformed that we actually start to think like God and be like God where we don't even want to do those things. And mm-hmm. and the things that bring God joy, like doing for others and, and giving for others, it it that now brings us joy because we are not the same person we were before. And and to bring that back to campus ministry, that's part of what we want to do there. You know, obviously campus ministry is an evangelistic effort. We're trying to reach out to the to the college, but another huge part of what we do is for young Christians, what I call baby Christians, mm-hmm. <laughs> still in that infancy of, of being in Christ, we want to help, uh, as Paul would say, train them in godliness. You know, uh, he says uh, bodily training has some value, but training in godliness has value in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if you use that analogy, it's a lot easier for, you know, training, whether it be running or lifting weights or something, it's a lot easier to do that with somebody else or, or better yet, a group of people. Yeah. So this training in godliness where we're trying to transform ourselves to become like God, man, especially at such a young age, that's so much easier if you get plugged in with a group of people who are doing it with you. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. where campus ministry is so important because we've had, I've had so many kids that didn't come, you know, they're freshman year, sophomore year, we've asked them and asked them and asked them. And then finally they start coming. And by the time they graduate, they're like, man, I I just didn't know that this was going to help me so much. Why didn't I say yes my freshman year? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's a big part of campus ministry and talking about practical application. And if y'all want here a little bit, I can give some things that, that we can all be doing outside of campus ministry. But I think that that's something we need to be helping people do always. Um, it's always been kind of frustrating to me, and I assume some congregations are better at this than others, but, you know, we baptize somebody, and I'm afraid that a lot of times they're just left alone. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you're a Christian now. Now, Congratulations. Out, yeah, figure out how to, how to train in godliness. Yeah. Man, that needs to be something that, the more mature in Christ are helping them mm-hmm. along with. And I and really that's a big part, at least of campus ministry at Southeastern Oklahoma State University, is we want to help train in godliness. We want to give opportunities, safe environment for people to grow. And the I think a big goal of that is if they spend four years there growing, it's kind of like in Acts chapter 8 when the disciples got dispersed and the word just spread more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the goal there is people like Chris who you know spent that time at Southeastern with us, now he's up here a minister in Keller and no telling how many lives he's touching. So, And, and 
how, however many we graduate, you know, they go to different places, and hopefully the gospel is taken and spread wherever they end up. You know, it actually reminds me of um, speaking of once they become a Christian, they're baptized, you, you want to help them grow. That's, it reminds me of disciples making disciples. Absolutely. And when you have someone that you, you help grow, then when the next kid comes along and they decide to put on Christ in baptism, then you talk to all the ones that have already grown and say, remember the, mm-hmm. the growth that you took? After you, be, after you were baptized, after you became a Christian, that's when Satan attacks you the hardest. Yeah. So remember that, and let's help this, this new babe in Christ. Yeah. Well, and the, the verse you were talking about there of, of training yourself for godliness comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7 and 8. I have nothing to do with irreverent. Uh, the ESV translates as a silly myths. But rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, uh, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And I think it's crucial that we understand this idea of training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the three of us who are sitting here have at some point or another in our lifetime have been athletes of varying degrees and have trained to get to where we were. And it wasn't something that happened overnight. We didn't go to bed one night and sleep on a very nice pillow and wake up the next morning. Mm-hmm. We didn't have magic covers that imbued us with abilities, right? We had to work at that. And the idea that once someone is baptized, they are going to just be faithful is so ridiculous to me. Hmm. I, I think it's great we need to celebrate, right? When someone's baptized, we need to celebrate that. That is a congratulations, <laughs> but it's not a congratulations, you're done. It's a congratulations, you're born. You're started. Right, yeah. you're starting. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's so many people that miss that part yeah. of You've the started the race. You've started, like, right? Like the, we, the, we view that so many times in the church as, as the you've finished the race yes. because now they're a Christian. But and it's the start. It's the beginning. You're and, born again to walk in a newness of life. And everything you know. before that is the pre-race, right? It's, <laughs> it's getting dressed. It's, so, it's, yeah. it's, it's the pre-race, right? But the race itself, it's, it's a marathon. Mm. And it's a long race. And, and if we aren't, I mean, if you're not ready for a marathon, you don't, you're not ready to run 26.2 miles, right? If you show up having just eaten three water burgers and, and you know three large fries, and you know you, you you haven't ran in five years, well, you're not going to get very far, yeah. right? But if you have somebody training you along the way, mm-hmm. you can you can make that marathon. We know uh, the Great Commission when Jesus said, "Go and make disciples." I love. I, when we read that in English, it's two different words: make disciples. And if I remember right. Um, in the Greek, it's one word, methetes, and it means to train up, to uh, to train up someone to help them learn. Uh, almost as yeah, it's like a apprenticeship type thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I just think that's interesting. Something that we kind of skip over in the Great Commission, where Jesus isn't saying, and this is in there, he isn't only saying go baptize people. He's saying make followers, true followers. And, and I think the people that he's talking there to, specifically, you know, the 12 are there with them, the apostles, they understand that because that's what Jesus has done with them, yeah, right? Yeah. He, he spent three years with them, and think of the opportunities that they got with them. He would teach them, like they would stand, stand before him with the crowds and they would get to hear these lessons. They would see him work, and so they would get to observe it. But then he would also give them opportunities. Think of the times that 
he would send them out on their mm-hmm. own, and then they'd come back and talk about it. Or he would let them try to heal someone, and why couldn't we cast the demon out? Well, you need to pray more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and I think it's the same thing when when they go and be the teachers in, in Acts. That you know, most of the time when they go to a town, whether it be Peter or Paul, whoever. They usually stay there for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then they circle back and check on everybody and see how it's going. And I yep. think that's part of this making disciples um, that maybe we miss out on. Because if I help somebody to become a Christian, but that's all they do, you know, that stops with them. Yeah. But if I help somebody to become a Christian and make them a true follower of Christ where they can go and do the same, disciples making disciples, mm-hmm. like you said a while ago, man— that is exponential growth because if it just stops with one, there's a lot of people in the world. Yeah. But if, if like with Chris, you know, and I'm not trying to take credit for Chris at all. There was a lot of, you, you came to Christ and you studied the word, but we did get to spend some time together. Mm-hmm. And it is encouraging to me to get to see people like you and others uh, that we have that are out working now because it makes me feel like, Okay, even though I'm only able to reach this small group of people yeah. at Southeastern, you know, y'all are out here reaching people in places that mm-hmm. I could never get to. And I think that is what Jesus is talking about with go and make disciples. Yeah. That's the only way we're covering the world. Well, it's a really – go ahead. Yeah, sorry. The, the reality is, is that everybody knows someone that someone else doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that means that that individual is responsible yeah. for teaching the word to those people that yeah. nobody else knows. and. Um, it's, man, it's just such a strong, strong concept that we have to get across that it is our responsibility to go out and to make disciples. And it is an inconvenient thing. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And we live in America, the nation of convenience, right? We live in a world of one click shop, buy, done, right? Uh, you can go online and buy a car. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You can buy a car online. You don't have to test drive it. You can buy a house online. Buy a house online. <laughs> like you've never even seen, right? Like the things that we do. You that can buy just, an island online. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you can, yeah. right? That are just so convenient for us, right? My mind's thinking about everything you buy online. <laughs> well, we'll be here for a while if you list all those things. But but it's so convenient where we live and how we live, and the idea of of putting together a a three. Jesus spent three years with these guys. Three years. Mm-hmm. I haven't been married for three years, right? Like three years worth of time. That is, that's a lot of time to spend with people, to teach them, to train them. And then after that, guess what they still did? They still all left him when he went to be crucified. And it only took him coming back to life for them to believe, right? Like it is a, it is a legitimate inconvenience for us to train people in righteousness. But if we don't do it, it won't get Done. I think the even more amazing thing, though, is when you look at Christ and his disciples. Yeah, they spent three years. It's a long time. But the amount of time that they then lived on the earth mm-hmm. after Jesus was gone yeah. was so much longer. Those three mm-hmm. years pale in comparison to the next 70, most mm-hmm. likely, that or something around those lines. You know, the, the timeline's iffy. Yeah. That, that John lived <laughs> until, until yeah, uh, he was gone. So J- John was the last living yeah. uh, disciple. But those three years pale in comparison to the, the rest of the amount of time that they had. It was because yeah. they understood how to make disciples, mm-hmm. how to teach, to train, to to create a uh, an internship, if you will, yeah. <laughs> um, with the the next generation. Yeah. And so 
I love this this whole conversation, but let's transition it a little bit back to to um, college ministry. Yeah. And you talk about all these opportunities that that you have, the disciples making disciples. Can you just expound a little bit more on how this has given you those opportunities? Um, maybe some practical examples? Yeah. So, you know, not necessarily. I think it's, it's something very purposed because I have seen campus ministries that maybe – I've seen ministries in general that maybe don't um, really put an effort into making disciples or, or training opportunities is what I call them a lot. So I think the first thing, and if we want to talk about practical practical application, is we've got to be specific in, in our efforts uh, to make disciples, mm-hmm. whether that be parents with their children. I, th- I think that's where it starts, guys. Oh, yeah, if, definitely. If you are a parent, you need to be making disciples, yeah. and and that doesn't happen just by bringing them to church. You've got mm-hmm. to you've got to create conversations, um, study. You've got to create opportunities. They need to see you being a disciple. But I think with uh, ministries in general, those opportunities need to be created. So going back to campus ministry, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll tell you my failures first. Uh, I I came to my first year at Southeastern being the the campus minister there was I came in thinking that everybody was already a disciple and we were just Mm going to get to work and go get stuff done. (laughs) And we have a theme every year. And my first theme was the extra mile. We're going to learn to be, you know, those kind of Christians that go above and beyond. And I found out real quickly that that's not you got to go the first one first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I was skipping the first mile, right? And so um, I, that second year is when I kind of figured out we need to start with basics, basics because I'm assuming that these, that these guys know how to do, you know, all the stuff that I already know how to do. And I've been a Christian at that point, you know, for like 10 years or something. So I think there's a part of this where we've got to understand – that it, we're not all on the same page here. And so we would start doing little things. Like, obviously, we're always having Bible studies and things like that. And I, th- I think that's a part of the ministry that we get right. We want the truth, and we want people to understand the truth. But it's the application of that. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you read stuff like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, or true and undefiled uh, religion is to visit the widows and orphans. So we would start, you know, going and visiting widows and uh, just going and sitting with them. And I was amazed to see that not everybody can talk as easily as, as I can. And so <laughs> sometimes we would go, and we'd, when we'd leave, we'd talk about it and go, well, how was that? And they were like, well, I didn't know what to say to them. It's like, well, here's some topics you can always talk about with old people, you know, yeah. uh, the weather, the <laughs> World War II, you know, so, and talk about church, things like that. Yeah. And when we'd go back, I'd kind of, I'd purposefully be a little bit more quiet and let them talk. And, uh, and then before long, it's, well, let me send a couple of you guys on your own and y'all come back and tell me. And so I, I, that's not something that I made up. That was something that I tried to model after what Jesus did with the apostles. He, they, they go with them. They see him do it. He talks with them on how they're going to do it. He sends them out. He talks with them when they get back and they keep growing these opportunities. And I think a lot of times, maybe especially, well, I think it's probably in any congregation, 
we get so used to the preacher doing these things or the elders doing these things or the top 10% of the people that do the things. And then everybody else thinks they don't have a job. Well, we all should have jobs, right? Like we all should be reaching out. So I think that's, um, and and you can apply that to almost anything that we're supposed to be doing. I just use widows as an example. I'm doing a class right now. I'm calling it kingdom work. And it's essentially looking at scripture and we know God tells us to be workers. Well, what's he want us to do? So we look at some scriptures, okay, uh, like this week. We went over uh, part of evangelism is simply inviting. And so we talked about different ways they could invite. And everybody puts reminders on their phones. And all this week, work hard to be inviters. And at the next study, we're going to talk about how that went. Uh, yeah. We're going to see, you know, did you, did you do it? Did you ignore it? Did you get scared? Did uh, did people come when they came? Were we welcoming? Yeah. The really cool thing about that yeah. is just as we were talking about the, at the beginning, how it's fertile soil for people to learn, for, for young people looking for that kind of thing. But just as it is for you looking for those college students ready to learn, so is it for their peers. You know, mm-hmm. those that you have in that study and you tell them, go out and invite. Mm-hmm. You can remind them, hey, these people want to learn. This is not something to be scared of. This is an exciting thing so and and bringing that back to something that the listeners can take home with them you know i hope i hope you don't get the idea that we're saying that only college age people will listen because this stuff is open for anybody Mm -hmm. i don't care yes there will always be people who are set in their ways that don't want to listen but there's always people who are just waiting on someone to reach out to them waiting on maybe us to show them a little love and kindness and I think that's probably a big part of campus ministry that uh, we haven't talked about yet is it's a it's supposed to be if it's done right and all of our kids and myself are, are doing it right if somebody comes in that building they ought to leave feeling like they gained you know 30 40 friends yeah. that that we were so kind to them and I think that's something we've got to do in the church too well I, I think a lot of what you're describing is a culture yeah it is a culture of invitation it's a culture of being welcoming it's a culture of love plain and simple well and it's a group of people who are trying to be like the one we're saying we follow exactly. jesus yeah and you think about it we always look at acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 how those christians were you know doing they were tr- truly changed their life and people could see the difference in them and the culture around them yeah and we see at the end of that, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Well, part of that was because this group of people who are in a world that's very tough are seeing another group of people, Christians, that are truly exemplifying the love of Christ. And that is attractive. Yeah. And that's attractive at any age, at any time in your life. And I tell you, you know, a lot of people are worried about what's going to happen with America, you know, and who knows? But I, I can say this, no matter what happens and no matter how difficult things are or how good they are, people are always going to, should always be able to see a difference in the culture around them versus Christians. Yeah. And so if America gets bad, you know, really that just makes more fertile ground for us to stand out even more, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and you look at what's happening right now in the country, right, with the pandemic mm-hmm. and the last year, right, people have been stuck at home and mental health has deteriorated and people are 
looking for things. They're looking for places to belong. They've, they've lost a sense of belonging. A lot of people have. And I think right now, if we fail to act on the people who are in need of help most, we're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. We have such a wonderful opportunity right now, this moment, not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week, but right now to reach out to people who are in need of help, who are in need of love, who are in need of Christ. And if we are willing to step out of our comfort zone to be inconvenienced for the sake of Christ, then plain and simple, our reward will be in heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, can't, I really can't ever stress that enough. I don't know that anybody can, right? The idea yeah. of, of going out today and, and doing your job as a Christian today. So, Dylan, do you have anything? Yeah, it's just as Jared was talking about um, that loving culture, that that welcoming, and um, and talking about how you know you, you just go out and invite people and and bring them in, and somebody should not come and without leaving with forty new friends. It actually reminded me of um, something that I did during my college time when I was at Freed Hardman. I worked with the campus delegate team, which was just a, a work study program working with the admissions department. And we'd often go out on uh, trips on Sundays or, or Wednesday nights to go visit different churches around the area to talk to the teens in the youth group and tell them, hey, y'all should come to Freed Hardman. And I learned pretty quickly, and it had to be just something that I reminded myself that um, that teens are more scared of you than you are of them. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like bugs or, or anything like that. They're more scared of you than you are of them. And so instead of standing there and being like, okay, how do I talk to them? How do I tell them they should come to Freed Hardman? Instead, I'd walk up and introduce myself and then start talking. And then all of a sudden, people are drawn to that. Mm-hmm. It's that that winsome personality, the in- endearing personality that that you can just, you know, say, suck it up, buttercup, I'm going to go tell you about Christ, and, and uh, just walk up to them, and, and they leave with a new friend. Yeah, the idea of being drawn to it, you know, we're told to be lights in the world. Exactly, right? yes. We'll be lights of the world, and uh, you mentioned bugs, and so my mind kind of went with bugs <laughs> and light there. Well, if you Probably have, not a good analogy here. Well, I, I, I think it's going to work just fine, at least in my head, but we'll see. Uh, listeners can tell me if it didn't work fine. But um, when you turn off all the lights, right, outside, in your house and outside, and the only one you've got on is your porch light. What do you notice about that porch light? Bugs are drawn to it. Bugs are drawn to it. Well, if we are the light of the world, then people are going to be drawn to us. Yeah. People are going to notice that there is something different about us, and they're going to want to find out, well, what is that? Yeah. And they're going Maybe to we come can, to us. We can make this analogy a little bit better. <laughs> Everyone's drawn to light. <laughs> and so That um, is true. true. Whether it's, uh, it's animals, bugs, people we look for the light. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we turned on all the lights in here and lit a candle in the room, all of our eyes would be drawn to that candle. Yeah. And kind that, of offended that you think my mind is <laughs> the, That's the thing about light, though, is that people, everything is drawn to it. Yes, and so, everything is. Um, even, it, think about this. Even the universe is drawn towards the sun, the mm-hmm. light. It's the gravity that holds everything down. That's probably knew what he was doing there, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. There's a he was sermon doing. in here somewhere. Oh man, it, I, but, might, I might entitle it "Lights and Bugs." We'll <laughs> see. You know, one thing that I tell our college kids too, though, is you know we're supposed to be that city set up on a hill, yeah. but a lot of times, you know, people aren't necessarily looking for that, or they haven't allowed their eyes to drift over there. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many programs we come up with or catchy events I try to do. The, the evangelism that works the best for us is if I can get our kids to 
start talking to their friends or yep. and or even better make more friends yeah. with the idea uh, <laughs> this may sound not with the idea of like I'm only going to be your friend if you convert to be like me I think yeah. we need to be friendly to all people mm-hmm. but you are trying to make more friends to allow more people to see that light as well yeah. and oh, so yeah. it always works better I can go up to every college kid on campus and this 35-year-old gray-bearded man say, hey, come to the Student Bible Center, and two will come, right? Yeah. But the kids that come, it's when our students yeah. make relationships with them, and they're seeing a little bit of that light, right, mm-hmm. in their life. Yeah. And then they invite them, and they come, and they get spotlighted with with all of the a whole group of these. There's a whole group of people like you, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. where it becomes attractive. And I think yeah. that's something – that the church needs to remember too. A lot of t- we're going back to we think the preacher or the elders are going to do it all. It's the same thing. Yeah. The elders can come and talk to your friends, and it's not going to make nearly the impact yeah. as as what you can do. Yeah. And so I think that's another thing that we can kind of take from at least what we're trying to do in campus ministry. That works across the board, and it works because. It's what Jesus has called us to do. It's not something that yeah. a campus minister came up with or a preacher came up with, an elder came up with. It's like the mm-hmm. pattern that Jesus has given us. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that kind of really encapsulates what we were wanting to do is the idea that, you know, campus ministry has affected your life, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's at least very much so in part of what led you to be a Christian. Uh, you have seen it impact the lives of others, yeah. right? And, and uh, not just myself, right? I'm very grateful. For, for the campus ministry, for you, for uh, for your wife, and uh, just everything that, that I've been through, it's impacted so many more aside from that. And on top of that, we can take those practical things from campus ministry uh, of reaching out to individuals, reaching out to people, being lights of the world, being loving, creating a culture of welcomeness, right? And and we can apply that to our local church. Mm-hmm. We can yeah. apply that to our local lives. The ways that campus ministry works are the same ways that Absolutely. the church works. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one and the same. It, maybe it's comparing it to, um, you know, all ages of folks in the church versus just 18 to 22-year-olds in, in college. Yeah. It's the same principles, though. Yeah. Become a disciple, love like Christ, and make more disciples. Exactly. I mean, if, if, if I was going to, like, try to put it in the tiniest of nutshells, yeah. I think that's what it is. If exactly. We, when we... Bec- when we become a disciple of Christ, if we will truly try to be like him and work like he did to make more disciples, that, that's, that's, I think that's the best program, evangelism, whatever mm-hmm. you can put out there. Yeah. That's the best thing we can do on an individual level if we're all doing that. Yeah. 100%. Well, I think that puts the bow on this conversation for us. He got the bow back. <laughs> all right. Well, well um, I, I'll go and close this out. You know, everyone that's listening to us we appreciate y'all so much we really would like to hear some some feedback from you uh we love it when we get emails when we see those comments and on social media so if y'all will stay tuned and see how you can reach out to us thank you so much for listening to the bible conversations podcast i want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out you can like us on facebook and share our posts you can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.